to houseofdecline.com and patreon.com slash houseofdecline. That's H-A-U-S of decline. For $3 a month, you get 30 comics. Wow. Just wow, okay? And for $5 a month, you get extra podcasts. Uh, More talk. You need more talk. When you're working out, instead of listening to music that motivates you, you should listen to people speaking. Because we're like your friends. Except we won't give you a kidney or pay your rent or, you know, help you in any significant way except for filling your day with endless chatter that you need to quell the demons in your brain. So go to patreon.com slash houseofdecline and subscribe now. Uh, On the episode today... Uh, we have a wonderful man uh, from the 155 podcast. We have Josiah Hughes. How are you doing, Josiah? What's up? Wow, I can't believe this peek behind the curtain. So you do the ad read raw every time. You don't just, you could just hit, pl- it seems like it's evergreen. You could just hit play on that uh, if you wanted, but you're giving it to them fresh. People probably can hear different intonations of different words or different uh, emphases. That's impressive. Yeah. Well, I like reading. I like coming up with different ways to sell stuff. Like I would love to be an advertising actually, if I think they would have me, but you know, I think <laughs> I'd come up with a new ad campaign for Sprite. Sprite, put it in your mouth, you fuck. Put it in your mouth, you dumb fuck. You know, that, that, those would be all my ad pitches. That's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think it's... I think we're getting close. You know, normies have obviously ruined tattoos. That's safe to say. <laughs> normies, the tattoos are right out. But I also think normies have basically ruined swearing to the point where I think if you, if any ad campaign, the first ad campaign for any product that just says fuck you and yeah. doesn't say anything else, that's going to be the one because normies love cursing. Yeah. And they also, the thing that normies love to do is curse and also say, I need to stop cursing so much because it makes me sound like I'm not smart or something like, you know, th- there's some, they know that it's wrong. It's like smoking or something. Yeah. Um, I guess normies. I guess smoking is still kind of pure, though. That's not yeah, fully. Yeah, yeah, uh, because it's uh, still something that's bad for you, right? It's still yeah. something inherently bad for you. I guess are those? Is that the big three of coolness? Smoking, swearing. tattoos, and swearing. swearing. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, we're 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 all Bart Simpson here. Those are, <laughs> yeah, those those are, are the, the hallmarks three. of coolness. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, I think swearing really hit like peak peak Reddit. Or actually, uh, like douche canoe, like back in like seven oh, years ago, when people were doing all those uh, polysyllabic uh, compound word swears, <laughs> and those like really hit uh, peak saturation, which sort of made swearing uncool. Until it sort of uh, the famous fuck crustable uh, tweet. It's been a oh yeah, the fuck crustable. <laughs> <laughs> There's a I've actually found a recent like I I still think. Obviously, now that now that that's happened, all of these things are a prism through which you can have some fun and goof around. And I love going to the other side with it. And mm-hmm. so now, obviously, trying to talk like Chuck Wendig is one of my. Well, you know, it, <laughs> you're actually catching me too at a very confusing and difficult time in my life because uh, for the last like seven years, I've been a, a verified Twitter user. Yeah, I, I got a blue. I got a blue check for just like writing clickbait and interviewing shitty Canadian bands for my old job. You know, I was like, I'm a journalist. I've talked to most serene Republic or some, you know, whatever. <laughs> I mean, I've interviewed some fun people, but my point is I did finagle it into having a blue check. And then I kind of, I didn't need it for any reason, like to seem professional. Cause it's just kind of 
I had bullshit jobs. So I really leaned into like trying to become a blue check and that <laughs> did lend itself to trying to speak like Chuck Wendig, try to say like really irritating things. And now that my blue check is gone, I'm kind of having a bit of an identity crisis. I don't know who I'm trying to be. Now. Yeah, yeah. You're just you're just uh, one of us now. You're just one of the great <laughs> I'm just, unwashed. I'm just a normal guy. Yeah, I mean, I've been reveling in the Schadenfreude of the blue check fiasco. Uh, it's so good. Yeah, it's, for, it's it's been wonderful. Yeah, he he lost thirteen. Elon Musk lost thirteen billion dollars in one day. From the combination of this uh, Twitter fiasco and the SpaceX rocket blowing up, uh, but he's still a billionaire. I like I can never feel like too shot in Freud Eve because he still has like a more uh, privileged life than I could ever hope to have. So, yeah, I mean, first of all, I'm I'm so glad that you know how to say that word because I've really, despite it being like the the basis of my entire uh, <laughs> life, I, I always stumble across it, and I don't know if you find this. You already have a house going on with you. Do you find having a podcast, are you constantly worried about how you pronounce things? Because I'm getting fucked. Every, everything I say, I'm getting fucked on my shows. Oh, yeah. I, I, I sort of worry. But people don't care about that. They, they sort of like it because that's the intimacy of podcasts is like you're with a friend and your friend will occasionally pronounce things incorrectly. <laughs> um, but I, yeah, I, took, I took German in high school. So I actually have a sort of a predilection for, for stuff. Uh, I still remember the German lyrics for 99 Schluffballons. Hast du etwas Zeit für mich? Dann singe ich ein Lied für dich von 99 Schluffballons. Yeah, I really like the way, I, yeah, I, I, I'm like Liz Lemon in the, in the sense that I think German <laughs> is actually a, a beautiful language. <laughs> It's been sort of saddled with a lot of negative connotations. Right. Yeah. For like how long? hundred years or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's sort of hard to, it's hard to hard to get over that. I once had a German roommate uh, and I didn't, cause as a, I'm, I'm Jewish and like Jews, like joking about the Nazis is our bread and butter. Right. Because they're right. always joking about the Nazis. And I, I just didn't realize how many fucking Nazi jokes I made before I was living with this German guy. And he would get all, like weird and silent to what I would do. And I was like, Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry, man. I'm sorry to revisit that great cultural <laughs> divide that you have. Um, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm distracted. I, there was recently a lady that I found who has like the greatest new, maybe I'll find it during the episode, hopefully, mm -hmm. but there was this lady who had this new sort of Wendigism. She's from Edmonton and I, I, I became obsessed and now it's, it's escaping me. And it was like, I feel like she was saying like blueberry cunt muffins or something. It was just like, it was like, it was some new uh, exploration of the, you know, the combined swearing that I just, I'm so disappointed in myself that I can't find it. But I'm, I, I promise you during this episode, I'm going to, we're going to get a, we're going to get an at, we're going to get all the variations. <laughs> we're gonna, we are going to ruin this lady's life for, That's right. for daring to be fucking normal, for daring to be Reddit, you know? <laughs> Uh, well, the other thing is like calling, you know, calling things Reddit obviously is having its own kind of let people enjoy things moment in a yeah. way. I think it's kind of like let people enjoy things, then let people be critical of things. I I'm always trying to be like one step ahead of all that. So I, I don't know how I feel about calling things Reddit because 
it's confusing, right? Like saying that something is Reddit is possibly more cringe than just being a pure person who likes card against humanity. Yeah. There's, there's just so <laughs> yeah. many, there's like a, a, a Russian nesting doll of cringe that I think is what makes human beings human really. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, yeah. but <laughs> we're all trying to be better than everybody else, but nobody's really better than anyone else except for like the really bad people. I guess like Elon Musk, you know, you say you call something Reddit and it's like, well, actually Reddit's not like that. I go on r slash uh, lug nuts and know <laughs> yeah. all about tires or whatever. Like, yeah, yeah. I don't even know if that's right. I, I think I've only ever changed a tire once. But um, but also, but but if you look at Elon Musk and what he's doing and the kinds of like ways that he posts, there's no other. He's Reddit. Like he's yeah. the idea of Reddit. Whether or not Reddit is, a, and then to say like, well, Reddit is actually where I go to find the best deals i go on red tag deals reddit or whatever yeah, it's like yeah. that's even worse like what are you talking about <laughs> get out of here <laughs> um I, I mean if i had to give a definition to reddit like my my own headcanon definition and it obviously doesn't matter because like reddit just equals lame or bad you know it, it can suit whatever you think is lame or bad but if i had to give a specific definition nerdiness used to be about being into something obscure or niche, or, you know, superhero comics didn't used to be mainstream. You were a fucking loser if you liked superhero comics. But now, since nerdiness has become mainstream, to me, like, what Reddit is about is being very nerdy about something that is very mainstream and popular, which is, uh, if I had to give any one definition to it, that's what it would be. But that probably doesn't even hold very, very fast as well. Yeah, I want. that's interesting. I mean, I feel like it's almost more like... Well, okay. What's the difference then between being Reddit and being Chewy? Really, is because because <laughs> I also think when people say that something's Reddit, it's often because someone is kind of using like epic bacon language. But that's yeah. different than what because I think what you're describing is actually that the concept of being a hipster in the more traditional sense has been applied to like Disney and Marvel properties. Yeah, like someone yeah. who is someone who was obsessed with. Artisanal pickles or something. Uh, there, that level of obsess obsessiveness has been yeah. applied to knowing about uh, like Thor minutia or yeah, something. Yeah, Mandalorian so lore. Yeah, it's really. So I don't know if that's Reddit really, but I don't know what Reddit is. But I think we need. I think we need Reddit as an adjective. Uh, <laughs> yeah. As people, whether we want it or not. Yeah. I just, or, or Reddit is a neutral thing, like because if you don't. Most people are Reddit, you know, maybe you just, you know, I think there was a Shridhar <laughs> post uh, where he was saying, oh, you don't like Reddit? Maybe you just don't like people, okay? Maybe you just like, <laughs> do you have the ability to like hold a conversation with someone who is a quote unquote normie? Like I do it every day at the dog park. It's fine. They're good people. Why I think do you it's, care I, what I, I find it hard. I actually find it really hard to be honest <laughs> with you. I do. I find it really hard to talk to people about music especially oh yeah uh, and i find it hard you know like i'm definitely uh from a very snobby background particularly regarding music mm -hmm. uh, actually kind of with all culture i don't know why i just like i really i do have that trait where i like the demo and then i think they're bad after or whatever like that, <laughs> that, that, that makes yeah. you say the early stuff is better and so it's been difficult for me like having a normal day job Having to, for example, I saw Turnstile 
play at a tiny venue like 10 years ago when they were already kind of like over for Mm -hmm. hardcore kids i was like i felt like i was late but then now that they've done like tiny desk concerts i have to like you know it comes up at work oh i love this new turnstile record what do you think of turnstile you're a music guy and then i have to like do I explain to them the the concept of gatekeeping and these inside <laughs> fights and Twitter people that talk about it and you know like when people call music S tier or stuff like that too I'm like oh I don't I just I that's where I really struggle with talking to normies I mean I could talk to normies about basically anything else but I mm-hmm. think it's tough for me to talk to normies about like pop culture for sure yeah well I think especially with music too when you see it in a really intimate setting. Uh, it feels special. It feels, it feels, you know, like something is really being communicated. It's like uh, what the, what Anton Yelchin says in green room, you know, there's, there's something about it where it's a gift to the world and then it's gone like a mandala or something. So I think, uh, and you know, the best, the best music shows that I've been to are these like weird bands in small venues where only like 20 people are there, but it's still people playing their heart out. And uniformly, the worst shows I've been to are like at stadiums, you know, or or like big concerts, because, you know, right. how do you feel like if the point is to make a connection to the people who are playing the music, you know, how do you feel a connection when you're in this gigantic thronging mass, right? <laughs> I mean, that sounds like a wonderful connection, the thronging <laughs> part. Uh, yeah. yeah, no, I, I know. And but then... Then you like then uh, for me at least like the the problem is I just I'm so reactionary and I'm I'm like for like I'm always trying to one up figure out where to go next with because I also believe that you can force yourself to like anything oh, and yeah. I think that you should and I think people don't do that anymore and that's why things are so mediocre like I, I think back to when I was a teenager and I knew. I had seen all these local bands that I loved slightly older guys in Vancouver where I grew up. And I knew that they loved Fugazi. So I went to A&B Sound, which is where I used to get CDs. And I it, the Fugazi ones, for whatever reason, I think because they're imported, they didn't have like a Canadian distribution. The Fugazi CDs were so expensive. And I spent like $26 on Fugazi's Red Medicine. Mm. And I absolutely fucking hated it so much and i thought it was terrible i thought it was horrible and i hated gee's voice and i thought the production was awful and i thought it was disgusting but because i'm old that was what i had i had that and i had my mxpx cds which i still love to this day but i forced myself (laughs) over and over i listened to it over and over again and then things started to click and make sense and uh, and uh, I started to understand the music more and like, as I've gotten older and more annoying and more contrarian, mm-hmm. that's like the, that's the method of listening that I've since done with, uh, imagine dragons or the chain smokers <laughs> to try to understand what's good about it and force myself to listen over and over. And I, you know, there's some Imagine Dragons song uh, album tracks that are just like so sick, and I mean, <laughs> I, I love the Chainsmokers too, but I think I love them. Uh, yeah, I don't know if I'm like, I think sometimes people say like, oh, "Are you being ironic?" or, or are, "Are you doing this ironically?" I think that there's like some sort of in between version where you're kind of like you're becoming part of the artistry, or you're like repurposing it and and experiencing it it's like i and that's so pretentious but i love how pretend the pretentiousness also makes me laugh so it makes me mm-hmm. even happier it's kind of this horrible ouroboros that i've been stuck in for much of my adult life um well it's like uh to, to me there's like a there's many ways of listening to music but the two 
the two that I think about are like, one, you're listening to something for your own personal enjoyment to relate to it, to feel less lonely because someone is expressing something that maybe you feel that only you have felt. And then the second way is sort of like an anthropological way of listening to music. And like, like you said, trying to get into the mindset of these people and, you know, just enjoying enjoying that journey of like turning yourself into a weird Mormon from Las Vegas or are they from Las Vegas? They, they are Mormon. Uh, yeah, they are. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean this, I'll give you a primer. Uh, you know, I've, I'm, I've told this so many times, uh, but there was a time a couple of years ago where I was like, I can't remember like I, this, what I'm describing is also like, for example, the word hipster is so funny to me because it, it means nothing. Yeah. It's such a potent insult. That just means I feel like you're cooler than me and it hurts me. It's like yeah. calling someone that used to be like an expression of insecurity in mm -hmm. such a hilarious way. But I remember, you know, a Sunday or something like actually almost five years ago now I was, uh, on Twitter as, as usual. Mm -hmm. And I, I saw, you know, I still had my blue check and I, I think I followed Dan Reynolds from Imagine Dragons because I thought it'd be funny too. And he was complaining that people who don't like Imagine Dragons are hipsters. Um, <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> and I like, I replied to him and I, oh, I, I got to remember what I said, but I, I, I just was like making fun of him mm -hmm. um, and saying like something about him being a hipster or like, Something about, I can't remember, but it was like so dry, but he was like, he like kind of started beaking back at me and we had like a little bit of an argument. And, and then I was like, do you want to settle this on my Blink-182 podcast? Uh, I, okay, here we go. He's deleted his tweet, but I said, finally in 2018, someone is brave enough to speak out against the dreaded hipster. <laughs> yeah, Thank you, oh, imagine 2018, like yeah. 10 years after hipsterdom was exactly, like exactly. So anyways, he, he like, he was kind of like beaking back and kind of pissed off. And then I, I reached out and said, do you want to come on my show? He, that afternoon came on the show. We talked about Blink-182. He told me all about his like Mormon themed ska band called Super Ted that he was in <laughs> college. And, I, and, I didn't know that and, existed. And he sent me a bunch of tracks and we've played them on our show. And like, he was like so cool. And it was like. I think what I learned from that and from many, many other subsequent interactions with people is that like being, if you do it right, if you're just kind of like a little bit uh, antagonistic, but not, but you have like a pure heart and you're, you know, you're not trying to be too mean. You can really like, you, you can really break some barriers. And, and then he was like, so cool. He recorded a video introducing us for the stage for our first ever live <laughs> show. Rules, yeah. he, like he became like a pal. Like he, I was asking for guest lists. He stopped writing back. So, you know, not that you, good. You, you, neg you negged him into liking. <laughs> I did. Like, I think, you know, and I think like nagging gets a bad rap and that's probably not something <laughs> that should be clipped yeah. out of context, but some nagging can be really fun. It's just a way of like, and also just like, I would way rather talk to Dan Reynolds about Blink-182 than like Tom DeLonge or whatever. I mean, I tried yeah. getting Tom, but. Well, Tom but DeLonge, just, I imagine, would be very, very intense. He seems like a very intense yeah. guy. Yeah. Like, I just think it's it's so interesting to talk to someone you would never talk to. And then a after this conversation, that's what led me down that path of like, I'm going to really seriously listen to Imagine Dragons. And honestly, my, my, uh, my thesis 
of that I, I proved right through listening. And I, I wish I still remembered what tracks were which, but it doesn't sound that different from like the dirty projectors or something. Like there's like <laughs> there's something about it that it does it sounds pretty like highbrow, expensive uh post indie stuff. So yeah. <laughs> I I really I saw the dirty projectors. There's something about them which just for some reason when I, when I was in in 2008 at the height of hipsterdom, you know, I was reading Pitchfork and deciding that every band that they liked I hated, which is, you know, stupid as hell because of course some of the stuff that they like I now love a lot like LCD sound system. But I think that's that's where I first developed my intense all-consuming hatred of the Arcade Fire. Right. <laughs> yeah. Or my yeah. and my intense all-consuming hatred of the Dirty Projectors as well. <laughs> See, the Dirty Projectors, I feel like they were they were so much more annoying that it made me have like more of a soft spot at first because I was yeah. like, this is almost like there's that record where he's just remembering Black Flag lyrics off the top of his head and like yeah. covering Black Flag songs just based on remembering them. That's like from a purely vibe based level. That's like definitely what we do on 155 that kind yeah, of like yeah, that's yeah. kind of like that's like music criticism where you haven't really like done your homework first or <laughs> yeah, some yeah, version yeah. of of that like i think that's really beautiful but um yeah arcade fire i was always for me arcade fire coming out was like one of the things where i, I was like why are all these why am i hearing like suvs driving around listening to this <laughs> fucking shit like and, and it all it all it didn't have enough noodling you know i like i, I was a modest mouse guy when yeah. i was a, when i was a teen and and built a spill and stuff i wanted to be like out of tune and kind of sound like neil young the whole time yeah, or yeah. something so i don't know i think the big difference between say a modest mouse and arcade fire was just the absolute lack of any sense of humor in arcade fire like right. even Fugazi, who are the most serious, intense people on earth, there's a sort of there's a sort of humor to them. There's a is that how you say it? Is that how you say their name? Is you say Fugazi? the hard Fugazi? That's amazing. Yeah, like wow. I mean, I've always I've always said Fugazi, but uh, it's which probably I, that one. Yeah, I think, but I like Fugazi is really good. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, that's a new one because Sam, my co-host, always says Fugazi, and I can't tell if he's joking or not, but. <laughs> You just have to like make it. I think what I'm getting at is as long as no one can ever tell if you're joking or being serious, you're kind of invincible with everything yeah. you say. So yeah, the Norm Macdonald approach. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, but you're right. No, like forgot. I, I, I mean, I feel like that's you know. I, I think Gen X is probably getting up there with boomers as being like the worst people in the history of people. And I'm sure millennials <laughs> have their turn as well. But um, I think one thing that they really did get right is like, even if you're serious, you should always be like pretty funny. And, yeah, and like, you know, Mackay seems quality. He seems pretty funny for sure. Despite yeah. being like the grumpiest man ever also being grumpy and funny. That's like a pretty tight yeah. uh, vibe. For sure. I mean, like uh, I'm trying to think of music that is intensely, intensely serious that i really enjoy maybe death but even even there's there's a sort of comedy to death as well you know chuck schuldiner was kind of a funny guy like do you mean the death metal band death or? yeah the death metal band death right not, okay uh, not the proto-punk the proto-punk yeah yeah I mean, they're I, great as well and super funny i actually don't think i like well first of all i actually really loathe almost any musician on twitter if 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 i'm seeing your if i'm hearing about your band or like being reminded of your band because you did like a hot dog as a sandwich ass post i'm i'm never listening to your band again. like i hate twitter i don't think bands should have twitter accounts i i think that like 
I feel like what I love is inside jokes. So mm-hmm. that in in that sense, it's like Fugazi is like so serious. It, it almost feels like homework. The way they there's like all this background context you have to give about like finance and the cost of tickets and records and all this shit. And it's mm-hmm. like so boring. Knowing that they're like probably dropping the best dick jokes of all time in the van at the same time. Like that's where it, that's the sweet spot. But if you're leading with the dick jokes, I'm like, Oh, what are you trying to sell me? Like, like to me, like the bands with funny Twitter accounts is like the new Wendy's telling people whatever, like yeah. epic. it's too Epic for me. Yeah. Maybe it's Reddit. Maybe it's, well, it's not Reddit, I guess. What's it's a band? Twitter, yeah. But you can be Reddit on Twitter, which is funny, even though you're on Twitter. <laughs> I I mean, that's the other problem with Reddit is like, how can you insult somebody when you're on Twitter, which is equally as stupid and awful? You know? Yeah, I mean, I guess what I was trying to say earlier is I don't necessarily I think it's used as an insult, but I think it is a necessary word because some things are Reddit. And I yeah. think there's a little bit of a je ne sais quoi to it that it's like you can't quite quantify what is Reddit. You know it when you see it yeah. in a way. Um, but yeah, I mean, calling something Reddit on Twitter is is interesting for sure. But um, yeah, I don't. I, I but anyways, I was gonna say like I love like deathly serious like like ambient or or yeah, like uh, yeah. compact records like German techno. Like if, if those guys were funny, that would suck. But yeah. I also would love to, you know, get some guy from like a uh, what's his name like um. You know, um, someone from Compact Records or like get like uh, someone from Brigade to have to sit through a Chainsmokers album with me. That would be like my dream <laughs> scenario. I would love to get their instant reactions to hearing like the Chainsmokers song called Beach House where they sing about how they were listening to Beach House, which I think <laughs> that, is that's also... fucking rules. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I kind of like the Chainsmokers now. You're, you're making me like the Chainsmokers. <laughs> They're so stupid. There's, yeah, there's a nice, there's, there's like a lovable dumbness to that. <laughs> An eternally lovable dumbness to that. Exactly. 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 I always, when I was like a, when I was a teenager and my friends were kind of like, you know, getting into like film and becoming the teenage version of being a cinephile, Mm -hmm. I always, I I was always drawn to this idea that my favorite movie of all time is Biodome. And I think like, I, I, but I like really like lived it. Like I would watch it all the time. I would watch Biodome like every week. I've seen it probably more than any other movie. Um, and it it and it I love it and and there's like definitely some very sketchy scenes that uh, ha- are terrible that involve yeah. climbing into bed with women without their knowledge ahead sure, of time. But that was it's part like, for the course of comedy, you know. It was part for the course, <laughs> but I would argue that movie is so stupid that it, like even those transgressive scenes give it almost like a Lars von Trier kind of vibe. It's like. <laughs> like like you can really you can do like a highbrow analyses and and even like appreciate these things equally but i I don't know didn't the director of biodome have some sort of weird pedigree like they actually had some some skill or maybe i'm I'm making that up i'm misremembering it wrong uh despite it having watched it jason bloom let me see here Uh, despite having watched it so many times i i don't know i don't know much about the lore but they're like I did recently watch, I forget what it's called, but th- there's a documentary on Netflix that's like kind of about the real Biodome people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and <laughs> so it is it is based on like a true story, which is incredible, but oh, Biodome is so good. When they like, 
I don't know if you've seen it. I but, haven't uh, seen by I haven't seen any of the Polly Shore canon. I haven't seen Son oh, in Law, wow. or Jury Duty, or uh, Polly Shore is awesome. He's like he's kind of like also I would say a true artist in the sense that he's just you know some would say that it's a sign that he's shown zero growth over the decades, but I think he's committed to like his artistic practice of just like talking in that voice yeah and i mean so much that. so he came up again with that pinocchio movie father <laughs> why can't i go to be on my own that's that we all he collectively was... remembered how great paulie shore was well there was also like uh at the oscars um jimmy kimmel was like making fun of paulie shore he was saying like because uh the whale what's that whale guy's name again oh brendan uh, fraser Brandon Fraser, yeah, which also I loved. Someone pointed this out. I noticed it during the broadcast too, but the, when the makeup artist won, yeah. the the announcer was like, they spent six hours a day turning Brendan Fraser into the whale. <laughs> Someone's like, it's like, that's not his name in that's the movie. That's not the character, no. He is the, it's, <laughs> the, it's, about, it's about the whale is Moby Dick in the movie. But <laughs> yeah, exactly. I guess it also is a s- synonymous with a, with a fat guy, so... <laughs> Well, Jimmy Kimmel like was saying, you know, Brandon Fraser, uh, like Brandon Fraser won. Maybe other people from Encino Man can win awards. Like maybe we'll see Pauly Shore here next year. And then there was like big laughs. And then Pauly Shore was like on Twitter being like, "Oh yeah, that's funny." Huh? And then like the next day, he had <laughs> written an open letter about how deeply disrespectful it had been and how it hurt his feelings and all this yeah. stuff. And I'm like, "Oh, that's true." I mean, he's. He's he's doing his best. Paul I mean, Shore, I would have just know? countered with, you know, hey, at least in the '90s, I wasn't doing full body blackface like you, Jimmy Kimmel. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, who knows? He probably has been up to some bad shit. I'm gonna go ahead and guess. Yeah, Paul yeah. Shore, but probably he's probably, not blameless at all. There's not too many people who can. But be at least he that can. Out. At least he never did blackface, to my knowledge. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I would argue there's probably a very good chance he did somewhere at some point, but who knows? It's hard to say uh i mean i've never done it thankfully so i (laughs) but that must be why there's not more like 90s comedians calling each other out for that (laughs) yeah (laughs) they all know that there's a picture somewhere yeah it's like how everyone went to the epstein island so none of them can rat on each other it's like all the 90s comedians did blackface and none of them could rat on each other um further to your point about you know, sort of hipsterdom or being young and developing like that sense of uh, authenticity and exclusivity about your music taste. I noticed that's like a really young person thing to do where because you're not like really good at anything yet, because you don't have any sense of your own ambition or sense of, you know, your own identity, you borrow the identity from other artists in order to build yourself up. And which is why someone with like poor musical tastes, uh, someone who doesn't define themselves based on their tastes, you know, uh, that's like bad to you because, you know, that's all that matters. All that matters is that your taste is better than other people and you can feel superior because you have better. Yeah. I mean, I think as I get older and my taste gets worse, I I still feel that superiority for some yeah, reason. Me, I mean, me too. Absolutely. You know, <laughs> I, I think... feel like I am a better person because I listen to free jazz. You idiots don't get it. <laughs> exactly. You morons don't understand Sun Ra. This is the best music on the planet. And I show it to a, a regular person and, and they're looking at no, me. No, like absolutely. Dude, absolutely. They're, like that's there still is that litmus test. Absolutely. I mean, there's probably two things. One is that 
as you get older, you realize that these differences are what make it kind of special mm -hmm. to have relationships with other people, especially if you can find, you stop taking it as personally. And the per so Sam Sutherland, who I do Blink-155 and 155 with, I guess, mm -hmm. you know, I know that no one has heard it before, but we spent three and a half years talking about every single Blink-182 song. And every week we did like a deep, deep analysis not necessarily of like facts or knowledge but just of our own relationship to taste and the mm -hmm. song and where it fits into the world and then we ran out of blank 182 songs and we started just doing a different punk song every week sometimes it's like crass or, mm -hmm. or discharge and sometimes it's avril lavigne like we're in the middle of uh april lavigne right now so it's, <laughs> it's, it's different. Yeah. i love her yeah, she's awesome but yeah so now we're just kind of talking about uh the word punk but what's interesting is like I grew up like being drawn. If if something made me feel alienated and made me feel like it was too cool for me, that I, I drew to it like a moth mm -hmm. to a flame. Like I was always interested in trying to understand like niche micro uh, subcultures and subgenres and trying to understand like pretentious things. And absolutely, mm -hmm. like listening to free jazz, listening to like Arvo Pert and neoclassical music. Yeah, and I yeah, was yeah. like, like just being like a fucking soul seek nerd when I was a teenager. Um, and Sam, my co host, is the complete opposite. Like he loves the hold steady and he loves like being sweaty and drunk and <laughs> putting his arms around his buddies. And, you know, and yeah. we knew each other from Exclaim Magazine and other like Canadian music writer circles mm -hmm. of which there's like 10 people, but we always had this passing knowledge of each other. And we knew that we both loved Blink-182, but we didn't really know each other that well. And we weren't really friends. So this show has been us kind of becoming friends over the last six years now. Um, and just that tension is what makes it interesting. Like if we were mm -hmm. both just like pretentious, uh, you know, last fm nerds yeah i don't think that would be an interesting show nor and it certainly wouldn't be an interesting show if we were both like av punk av club punk guys or whatever <laughs> like there's, so i think that that tension and then finding the common ground and also just like making fun of each other all the time is the beauty like that's the beauty of it but i also think what's the problem with like not defining yourself by your taste at all is then everyone just has the same boring taste and everyone yeah. likes Tame Impala or whatever. So <laughs> I, I still think there's value in like being a nerd and being a gatekeeper and yeah. being a bit of a prick, but you got to find, you got to find the line, I guess, or the you, limit. You know where my attitude of like seeking out obscure sort of transgressive stuff, it, it really came from like 4chan really, <laughs> early 4chan, <laughs> or like shock videos on the internet where sort of, the, or, or something awful, you know, uh, stuff on something awful where the idea would be to subject yourself to the worst thing possible to see if you could get through it. I was like, uh, my dad said that Eraserhead was the most nightmarish movie he'd ever seen. And it like gave him nightmares for a while. This is the fucking, this is a devil movie. Okay. And when I finally watched Eraserhead, it was like, that's it? It's just a guy walking around. Right. It's not. <laughs> so there became this desire, almost like Videodrome, to seek out something more intense and raw and, you know, more real. And which eventually led me to like Japanese noise music and stuff like Hijo Kaiden. Right. Yeah. No, I think there's. There's an interesting thing that can be like challenging yourself to, like you said, like, I mean, I was never into like shock videos or anything, but I definitely was. I, th I think sometimes as weird as it sounds, that is just a sign of, of being like open-minded or like, mm -hmm. or trying to open your mind. And I feel like that kind of stuff can be, uh, I don't know, not for me. <laughs> so like, yeah. it's, I'm not really like a, like an intense shock 
shock kind of guy. But um, yeah. I think that even just being like, well, everyone hates this band so much. Maybe what what would happen if I just listened to uh, the Chainsmokers all the time and stuff? Like that? You know that, <laughs> yeah. or actually, or like Machine Gun Kelly. Like I, I definitely started listening to Machine Gun Kelly's pop punk music mm. to be annoying. And I started loving it so much. And it like you're in love with an emo girl. Yeah, I've been in love with an emo girl. Dude, that song alone is like so stupid and so like untied, untethered from reality. It's like a bad pop punk song where Willow Smith sings about uh, like knowing trap songs, singing along to trap songs. And it sounds like First Day by Blink 182. And the chorus is, I actually think it's worth like, reading the chorus because it's so repetitive but it's like it's so like the 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 differences each time he says i fell in love with an emo girl so that's kind of past tense yeah i'm in love with an emo girl that's present tense yeah i fell in love with an emo girl uh past tense again all i want is an emo girl kind of like this uh you know omnipresent yeah this even global. that even that Looking at the tenses a lot, like this is what we do on our shows. Like, there's so much you can dig into. Such a stupid song, and it's always in my head all the time. And I, like, I love it so much. Um, so, it's just it's I'm dangerous. just reading the lyrics now, and it's like it seems like in this song he's specifically talking about Willow Smith or like a, a an emo girl of color in this song because she puts eyeliner on her dark skin. She tells me lies, but she knows all my secrets, which I think is a, you know, shout out to the alt black girls out there, you know? <laughs> that's absolutely. No, and that's the other thing is like this version of like obviously a billion air quotes, but this version of punk is like resonating so hard with so many people. And that's like interesting and cool and yeah. funny, but it's also like, it's also so funny because there's a song called Emo Girl and it's, and that album is just like a bunch of different kinds of girls like there's like drug dealer girl and, i don't know it's like so stupid i mean yeah. so many of my favorite songs are just lists of women like 52 girls by the b-52s <laughs> or non-alignment packed by per ubu it's just he's just listing women or mambo number five of course uh, well uh, then you should get i don't know if you've heard mainstream sell at all even the fact that it's called mainstream sell by by machine gun kelly is so funny because like sell out what are you selling out from you've this is like your 50th <laughs> yeah. album on a major label and no one it's like the the lyrics of mainstream sell it too are so funny he's like he's positioned himself as this eternal victim no matter what he's talking about and uh he's like this idea that that he's a sellout is like ugh. again it's like railing against this idea of hipsters almost or something which i just yeah. love like people people there no one has really truly gatekeeped anything in so long but the yeah. idea of gatekeepers makes people so angry yeah uh, he says i heard the feedback i'm a poser with a guitar and a choker hiding under sunglasses i met i made an album but they hate the track list yeah leave the scene you're ruining it leave the scene you're ruining it you sold out and it makes me sick so leave the scene you're ruining it. i love that because what scene is he even talking about it's not like he's in the punk scene yeah you know what i mean it's like, it's like he's has this self-awareness for a reality that doesn't exist yeah like, <laughs> it's incredible yeah it's, oh, it's so there, good. there's like a there's like a baudrillard like level of simulacra going on here you know? <laughs> like i don't know shit about baudrillard but 
yeah there is something i think i think punk is interesting too because punk is something uh that people always try and gatekeep uh, eventually you'll see this meme come up again and again where it's like a archie comic style punk girl and she'll be saying <laughs> no conservatives in punk no nazis in punk or like punk isn't right wing at all which, which is just you know johnny Ramone. historically inaccurate uh, yeah very 100%. historically inaccurate like some of the best punkers of all time were right-wing cranks you know who have awful politics but could make good music um yeah it's like it's, uh, i mean like I, and that's a, from fear uh xine Cervenka and uh, uh billy zoom from x you know totally i mean i think a lot of my understanding of like media and culture and uh being being attracted to snobbery is because I grew up like going to punk and hardcore shows. And I grew up like around people who were like way more quote unquote punk than I could ever be in yeah. my life. Cause I'm just, that's why I like Blink-182 cause I'm just like kind of a middle-class white guy yeah. that has never really had a real problem. Yeah. Thankfully. But you know, that's, it's kind of like, I've always been aware that I'm a poser, but then to see other people not be aware that they're such posers or there's kind of just this beautiful, like, so we, we have a segment on our show now called punk news and it's yeah. not related to the show to the website punk news, but it's kind of like <laughs> Sam and I each week will just type the word punk into Google news and find a news item. And, and then it's always just like, like, a katie holmes wears punk inspired jeans to opening <laughs> and they're just like normal jeans they're just yeah. jeans but like people just love the word punk yeah. because it means something but no one really knows what it means except obviously uh my my few actual real punk friends who just think that it's all so stupid because it is you know yeah they, there's there's just that there's people who are like i don't know participated in an entirely different version of society that is truly punk and pure yeah. and serious and deserving of respect. But uh, otherwise it's just machine gun Kelly's mainstream salad is the best we're going to get. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think punk more than anything above all else is not an ideology, but an aesthetic. It started as an aesthetic. It started as like Richard Hell wearing, wearing his uh, safety pin shirts that Vivian Westwood stole and turned into a whole brand. And, uh, you know, more than anything, it's about what you wear and how you behave and, you know, yeah. being contrarian for contrarian sake. That was the initial purpose of it. And then it spun out into like the political stuff came later. Uh, first and foremost, it was just aesthetic. It was only aesthetic. Right. And I think that's the other like beautiful irony of it is like. The pe I'm in these like SST records, Facebook groups where it's like just a bunch of stinky old guys who are like always saying really fucked up things about the Linda Lindas. And it's like, oh. they're all such pieces of shit in there. And it's like, they, they're the guys, these... they're from the, they're from the earlier wave. And they're just like the absolute worst of uh, stinky breath day drinkers. Or yeah. Whatever, you know, it's like these wee girls. I hate these wee little girls who are making this music. It's not authentic. I don't know why he's Scottish in my, I like it. It's good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, but again, like we're kind of not really, we're not trying to figure out what punk is and we're, we know that we're yeah. just like, uh, we're just another fucking dumbass podcast, but it's just, it's a beautiful, uh, sandbox to play yeah. in this confusing. Uh, I mean, actually, I don't So my love of machine gun Kelly brought me into the world of mod son. 
I don't know if you've ever heard of Modson. I don't know Modson. What is Modson? I've never heard of him before. So Modson is this guy who's like my age, I think, like too old oh, wow. to be doing what he's doing. Uh, and he he used to be in like some Warp Tour, like Screamo bands or something. Hotel Motel? Alternative hip hop duo Hotel Motel. I guess. So. Well, so he was like, he was a drummer in a bunch of like really awful, like, warp tour like screamo bands like kind of Four like four letter the, lie scary kids scaring kids these yeah, are great they, names these are great yeah warp he was like names. a warp tour guy and then he was like he became like upset because he became obsessed with being like a positive rapper like proto macklemore <laughs> and to the point where he was always being roasted but but i think when he joined scary kids scaring kids he they needed a drummer and he's like, I'll only drum for your tour. If you let me open every show with my positive message rap. <laughs> and so he opened every show with that. And like, uh, he would get like laughed off the stage every time, but he just kept going and fast forward to, he is machine gun Kelly's co-writer on a lot of these pop punk songs. He yeah. also is like a big blink guy. And he has also pivoted into being like a pop punk guy now. Mm. Um, and on top of that, he was engaged to Avril Lavigne for like six months or a year, probably a year, maybe even longer. He's been engaged to her for a while. Uh, and his most recent pop-up album, you're going to love this. So someone my age who wears like ridiculous pants, like just you've the pants that he wears are so frustrating on so many levels that it's like <laughs> truly punk to see that they're kind of, sometimes they're like the, uh, those weird baggy Justin Bieber pants. Sometimes they're like the Nardwar plaid. They have weird zippers. Like he just, what his pants game is insane. He's off but the mod son's pants game off the mod, mod, It's So he's engaged to Avril Lavigne. He's a, he's like a, a fake pop punk guy who's, also he's just like he you think machine gun kelly like sings hard modson like belts it out like he 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 sings with the desperation of the struggle rapper that he once was so it's like it's so it feels like someone's making eye contact it's like the final frontier of uh pop punk cringe yeah but his newest album was called god save the teen which i was just like, <laughs> like that's too good that's you're like, 40 what are you doing i couldn't stop thinking about it so that i became obsessed with god save the teen i actually like wrote like i, I took out i dusted off my uh music journalism skills and wrote like a three thousand word review of it because i just couldn't believe the title alone i, I was like laying awake at night thinking about like how did you because it's like so stupid i personally think it's beautiful because i think he covers iris on it <laughs> oh he covers god. iris on it since and then so the there's other a thing juice is, world sample in it oh my god i need to listen it, to you this. got you got to listen to it there's a few really good songs on it but the funniest thing about it is like half of the album is dedicated to the love of his life avril um and then the album drops god save the teen on shelves now he leaves on his sold out american north american tour uh and then through her publicist, Avril dumps him like uh, the day, the first day of the tour. So uh, it's been like, it's been a tough time for the Mod Sun fandom, but I've just like, I'm really obsessed with Mod Sun. And my favorite thing about him is I watched this like two and a half hour documentary on his YouTube channel. That's just like totally psycho. And my favorite thing about him that he says in interviews all the time is that he, he doesn't believe that he had, he said that he, he has removed the embarrassment bone from his body. So he's just like, <laughs> that's why he can get away with covering Iris like very sincerely and calling his. <laughs> I just, I love Mott's son. He's the um, best. Yeah, he's like he's like a good version of Tom McDonald. 
Yeah. Like if Tom McDonald wasn't evil. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I I don't think Tom McDonald has gone pop punk yet, but I do feel like it's a good retirement point for all these struggle white rappers. Yeah. Yeah. Get Macklemore on. I mean, Macklemore needs to go pop punk now. Oh, there's the final song on uh, on on God Save the Teen. He kind of like breaks into rap. It's the only time that the the song. It's another one of these songs about feeling sorry for yourself because people think you're so cringe and sad and fake or whatever. And then it it cuts to this like spoken word over top of a piano loop. He sounds exactly like Macklemore. And then it ends with him being like. God save the teen and the yeah. album ends. I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> that rules. this is the best that thing ever. Rules. That's, yeah. I mean, I've recorded rap music before. I've recorded terrible oh, rap music, wow. even, even much more cringier uh, attempt to be like Aesop rock or something like that in my early, <laughs> which is much worse. It's infinitely worse than, than you know, this dumbass pop rap stuff. Uh, uh, which at seriously. least is, you know, appealing to us so you can dance to it and have it. Well, I think that's what's interesting is like, I, I was definitely like into Aesop rock for a second too, and all that kind of crap. Oh, he's you not know. bad, I mean, but yeah, you know, it's, it's if you unknown. like, if you read tiny mixtapes back then, and you were like a guy who thought you were better than everything, you're like, I'm gonna listen to the good rap, and sure, it was fun, like anti-con, all that kind of shit. It was fine at the time, and it was cool at the time, but because it was like considered the good thing at the time, I feel mm-hmm. like it had nowhere to go. So now it's just forgotten. Like no one even remembers that stuff now. Whereas. Yeah. The things that were cringe before get to have a reappraisal. That that brings us back to like talking about things being Reddit or things being embarrassing. Is like yeah. if you're embarrassing now, it means you might get to be you might have longevity more than just like being yeah. cool, being closed in and cool for a while. Because um, you'll be embarrassing, but you'll be way more anthropologically interesting than somebody who is, <laughs> exactly. you know, just accepted right off the bat. You know, there there is there there is more to discuss about okay why do we think this is bad why was it popular at the time i mean i think that's sort of the best version of of the dreaded poptimism right mm-hmm. uh for people that might not know poptimism was this thread of music critical thought that uh, uh was sort of adopted in say the mid 2000s uh as a reaction to what was called <laughs> rockist tendencies by uh, <laughs> legacy publications by rolling stone and i think accurately it sort of criticized them as like oh only we the the bands that are most vaunted and upheld by publications like rolling stone are all these old white guys from the 70s you know like uh and the fact that they have this uh, animosity towards stuff like beyonce or britney spears as not being real music or less authentic music uh that's like uh maybe that's a false it's a false thing there you know, maybe we can appreciate Britney Spears music, not just ironically, but you know, for what it is as well. And I think that obviously gets overextended to the point where people are willing to, you know. I think they won, they won too hard in yeah. a way. I think they were, I think it absolutely was like an interesting critical perspective and it was the right thing to say at the time. Mm-hmm. And I think it kind of resulted in a lot of people my age being like, Oh, I can't believe I am listening to Carly Rae Jepsen. Oh, I'm so yeah. naughty. Like kind of this like, yeah. or like, <laughs> like liking Robin. You're like, I can't believe I like Robin and all my friends like Japan yeah. droids, but I like Robin. You know, this kind of like, it turned into like its own uh, codified thing. Yeah. And I think now that's the problem is like, it was a critical thought that came at an important time and, and did have value. But yeah. I think people have just generally stopped thinking critically about 
pop culture in general and yeah. they just like everyone just loves hype so much and i get it hype is awesome but like you see that whenever like a new tv show comes out they're always like it was the best opening of all time with yeah, 150 yeah. percent on rotten tomatoes and then no one even like finishes the season usually mm. of these things so um I think what what I love about that though is like no one no one else for example put in the time to make themselves love Greta Van Fleet like I did and I, <laughs> I think that's there's I found a I found a niche and my God they have some tunes for sure yeah so. <laughs> I mean Led Zeppelin knockoff isn't the worst thing on earth you know at least they're Led Zeppelin but they never raped anybody so there you go <laughs> yeah, well I mean hopefully maybe yeah. <laughs> yeah we don't know actually. no actually it's really i saw a really cute thing like that little that little boy that sings like robert plant <laughs> yeah. in that band uh he i mean he wrote like a huge thing like apologizing for wearing a headdress at a festival or early on in their <laughs> and it's like you would never see you would never see that from yeah. you know that's that's, that's kind of so sweet sick. yeah yeah it's so cute um but no like i think I just think there's so much cool shit that you could listen to if you if you dig through the bottom. It's like you're digging through the the drag, the bargain bin of mm-hmm. culture. And see what's going on down there. Yeah, and you'll that. always find you know something great down there, like Point Break. Although uh, Point Break's too uh, genuinely good of a movie. Well, uh, however, I, you know, I don't. I feel like I'm one of the only people who watched the Point Break uh, remake with you. Steve you Aoki watched the it. Point Break re- <laughs> remake. Of I did. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Someone has to. Yeah. Someone has to see what's. Steve Aoki's getting up to him in there. He was great. He had a great uh, montage. DJ. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so you d- you've been doing this Blink-182 podcast for a while. Um, and that that sort of came about because of this sort of urge to reevaluate stuff that was once considered, uh, you know, not as cachet, you know, not as not as cool. I think it's been a through line of our lives. Yeah. actually was there was no intentionality to it it was just like why do i love blink 182 so much even when yeah. i'm like 12 i'm like you know buying up the entire constellation records discography i'm listening to like post rock in my room all the time mm-hmm. and i and then every once in a while i put on enema of the state and i'm like why is like why have i always loved this and and, and there's just always in both of our sam and i's like travels there would always be like a few people who kind of were attuned to it. And then a few people are like, what the fuck are you talking about? I only like whatever cool thing this month. Uh, And, and so that was kind of like this interesting thing. And then I think because they're such a blank slate, it turned into such a all encompassing conversation. I mean, we've had like, people like Lou Barlow and Tim Kinsella came on and uh, yeah, Justin Pearson, yeah. like all kinds of like kind of highbrow people, maybe who liked Blink secretly, maybe who didn't, but it was just kind of like an interesting way to, they're perfectly in the middle brow of uh, punk music, I think. And, mm-hmm. and there's all these questions about authenticity or about quality, but um, yeah. And then we had like uh, Edward Hirsch, who is like an expert on poetry he like he's like has a chair at the guggenheim and yeah. uh his his son actually was obsessed with blink 182 and died of an overdose and yeah. uh they like played blink 182 strings at his funeral oh. and uh, i mean like having him on to tell to tell this like powerful powerful story yeah. about blink 182 from such a like academic perspective like there's just all these things but i think we accidentally started the show around the same time that everyone was reappraising Blink-182 culturally. Mm-hmm. And now I think that I, I think we're back to just being like, 
they definitely suck a lot. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like they played, they played Coachella last weekend. Yeah. I was telling you that I was telling you, I didn't think they were, but Mm -hmm. they are playing again this weekend, but there is like an asterisk. Like they're not headlining. They, they're, they're like, they were given the headlining slot, but then they're the organizers are like, Oh, we got to add someone else. So I guess Fortet and uh, Skrillex are headlining now. So there's kind of like this, awkward middle ground because they're still terrible live they showed mm. last weekend um, really they're not good live. <laughs> they're so they're so bad like it's just they refuse to like i don't know green day always had like their friend play guitar too so yeah. they'd have two guitars but they refuse to do that and they're just like so old and singing songs about like going to college or whatever yeah it's just so weird but uh and then now tom's tom DeLong's new thing is like he keeps ranting about cancel culture sure (laughs) why not he was already a weird guy yeah so he's like and and you can tell like mark hoppus is definitely much more of i mean he looks like uh hannah gadsby now so he's kind of (laughs) he's he's definitely he's more of the hannah gadsby of the band why i'm a pop punk i'm I'm gonna make you feel bad after reply my pop punk there was this part where Tom DeLonge was like, "You can't cancel us. We're bigger than cancel culture." And then Mark Hoppus like gave him this dirty look and was like, "Yeah, uh, just don't be a dick, everyone." Like trying to like save it. <laughs> so they're kind of having their own like uh, culture war Internal with the two mics. <laughs> yeah. So. I, I mean, to Blink One Eighty Two's credit, like I don't know, I haven't listened to their most recent album, but is it as bad as Green Day's "Father of All Motherfuckers"? Um. Well, the weird thing is like they Blink One Eighty Two. That that's the other thing. When we started the show, they like uh, Tom DeLonge had been replaced with Matt Skiba from yeah. Alkaline Trio for two albums, and they're mostly atrocious. But okay. if you listen long enough, there's like some good parts too, just yeah. like with anything. But um, so now Tom's back in, and so we've actually brought back Blink. 155 but behind the paywall just because if they're going to cash in we're going to cash in too yeah yeah yeah. uh that's on our patreon we talk about blink 182 every week however they released only one song six months ago and our our schedule is like we talk about one song at a time so we've had to talk about the song edging for six months straight once a week (laughs) and at this point we're now we're we're literally now for the last three weeks we're still going to do it because it's so much fun we're breaking down the lyrics one word at a time so we put up a word on the screen and just kind of do this free association we're losing our fucking minds yeah i mean i think the real to really cut to it the problem is that like I was saying with Machine Gun Kelly and Imagine Dragons and Modson and all these people is like being made fun of early on in your career gives you this kind of invincibility. Mm-hmm. You see it with Nickelback too. Like they, they're going to be fine forever because yeah. they've been roasted to oblivion. People are done. The, making fun of Nickelback is Reddit or yeah, is like yeah. calling things Reddit or it's whatever. It's beyond Reddit. It's like nine gag at this point. It's yeah. like funny at this point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah. they're going to go on forever. But I think the problem with Green Day is like, sure, they've had some very embarrassing moments moments like uh i highly recommend everyone watch the the documentary broadway idiot about them making american <laughs> idiot into a broadway musical. it's very confusing <laughs> but i think that they still are kind of always they've had a little bit too much respect all along and they've been a little bit too cool always so yeah they're like they're kind of stuck in this horrible uh middle ground where they're now getting too old and out of touch that like father of all mother motherfuckers 
easily one of the worst album covers of all time. Yeah. Like yeah. insanely awful. And Billy Joe made it himself. And it's like, I mean, I think that's interesting in its own way. That I, it's I just... mean, I kind of love it in that way that, you know, the, the, the black flag album, yuck, I think. It's yeah, called? exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a lot I, like I kind of love it in my contrarian. It, it, it serves a beautiful purpose, but it, it doesn't, the problem is it doesn't match the music. And I think, why people didn't like that album and how they could have pulled it off if they just did like a, a classy black and white covers. Like I'm pretty sure that album is just like boring proto punk stuff. It's yeah. like, they're trying to just be like the stooges, which that's obviously what you should do. If you're an old guy, you shouldn't be doing like a Nana boo boo. Fuck you kind of blink one yeah. two vibes. Like you're, if you're 50, that's so bizarre, but that seems to be the dominant, like, cultural force that's winning right now so i think green day's problem is that they're like a a highbrow slightly higher brow legacy act and people don't know how to do that right now it's not it doesn't grab attention yeah um so if the me i think if that album had sounded like what the album cover looked like they might have done better but i don't know they're just not corny enough really yeah yeah they could could have stood to be cornier because uh they they were like the prestige pop punk band they had yeah there was there was depth to long view even though there's no fucking depth to long view of course there's not yeah but no it's like uh there was I remember, I think it was like 2016 was a year that I really noticed this was all shifting. Like Blink-182 had their comeback album. There was like a, a really good, and I say good for me in my version of good, but there was actually a really good, good Charlotte album called Youth Code. That was like so sick. And Really? Uh, that's, imp- all- that's impressive. It was like a year that like mall punk was like having a brief moment and it kind of led to a lot of, SoundCloud rappers and people really appreciating Blink-182 and arguably led to like 100 Gex and stuff mm-hmm. as well. But I think there was this bubble up of mall punk that year. But the New Year's Eve 2015 before 2016, Billy Joe had tweeted probably in a drunken rage. He tweeted in 2016 or 2016 is going to be the year that I killed the phrase pop punk forever and it's just like so clearly Why? not reading the room like everyone yeah. loves that every yeah. people love like the idea of mall punk now you know like you're not no one wants to hear some like stuffy old guy cool guy music yeah. so uh. well because i mean whatever else blink 182 did they just had that ability to write these instantly catchy melodies that you hear them once and they stick in your head and you know that's sort of the goal of every pop musician right is to be able to craft those like instantly memorable uh melodies and uh I, I was always sort of envious of their ability to do and also like a lot of their music is very simplistic but in that way that makes it even catchier um, yeah and i think you know as you get older you start to overthink it a bit uh in, in a way that you know you don't when you're 20 and you're and you're young and dumb i think you overthink it and then you do what they did with father of all mother because before i guess there was uh there's been a few albums, but like they had done that overthought, I think, uh, no, trilo- trilogy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then there was an album after that called Revolution Radio that had a couple okay songs, but they were trying to like revisit sort of just being a rock band, I think. But I think then what happens when you're older and you're like a punk rocker guy is you overthink it and then you're like, fuck this. I'm going to kick out the jams and get back to basics. And like, to me, that's the real, like someone needs to stop you. Once you start going to your MC5 era, but you have like your amps are too good and you're like, you know, you have a good producer. It's going to sound terrible, I think. Um, Uh, 
I, I think it's interesting for like a band like uh, X who already started as like old people. They were like people hearkening back to the 50s. So there was it was not really as much of a youth oriented punk music as Green Day and uh, uh, and Blink-182. So they came out with a new album recently, which is actually pretty fucking good. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, X's well, new album. Not so bad. Uh, I mean, yeah, yeah, I think it's difficult it's hard to say I, I i haven't really listened to x that much but i feel like there's definitely some people who like just have it forever mm-hmm. um but i feel like it's like for example after watching blink 182 at coachella last weekend we switched the channel to to the other stage where blondie was playing oh, yeah. and it was like so scary it was like such a grim look at mortality they were just like so old and <laughs> they seemed like a local like cover band jamming out the oldies yeah. and i was just like fuck i, I mean get old. yeah my questioning for blondie is do you know the youtuber your movie sucks I think I've seen it before. Yeah, there's a very popular YouTuber called Your Movie Six. I don't, I don't have any like significant opinions, but for some reason they really liked his music. His, they, he has a band called An Unkindness, which is a hilarious band. <laughs> I like it, <laughs> and I listen to the music, and it's like, yeah, it's whatever. It's like passable sort of pseudo emo demos. But apparently, this caught the attention of Blondie, and they like, <laughs> <laughs> they they got in with the YouTube crowd for some reason, and yeah. Uh, it was funny to see them on uh, RuPaul's Drag Race, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. It's it's scary, but like in terms of old people, I, I am a I'm a huge Neil Young fan. Yeah, and uh, I I pay for the Neil Young archives, and it's like really fun to go in there. It's like he's he's so sick at uh, needlessly complicated technology. Like if, when you sign up for Neil Young archives, all the albums are in this like filing cabinet ui that you scroll through and it makes like a clacking noise and it's so annoying that rules <laughs> yeah but i think like he'll he'll be like doing interesting shit until he dies which hopefully won't be too soon but it might be but yeah. i think like because even when he just even when he just like gets like uh willie nelson's kids and goes out to the barn and makes an album there's going to be like three songs that are 12 minute blues jams that suck but in between those ones there's going to be like some great uh sad looks at mortality or something yeah and he always like uh, he always seemed like one of those guys that got bored easily which is why he would try stuff like trans or mirror ball you know it's like yeah totally how this grunge music sounds i really (laughs) like this eddie vetter guy yeah make an album I mean, I'm glad he's not doing that now. I don't need to hear him being like, oh, I really like Amel and the Sniffers or like, you know, just I really doing like... like 100 gex. I'm going to do my 100 <laughs> gex up. I mean, he basically, dude, that album he did with Daniel Lenoir like 10 years ago, Lenoise or something is so cool. It's really sick. Oh, I didn't know um, about that. He gets, yeah, he gets bored enough to do very cool things. But yeah, thank God he's not trying to do the hop he's not trying to do uh hyper pop or whatever yeah. <laughs> i don't know i kind of want to hear neil young's hyper pop album <laughs> he would have such wacky samples the samples he would choose would be so wacky uh that's true uh i mean i really like 100 gigs there's a lot of there, there's a lot of pushback against them i think or people saying they're ugly uh their music but it, it, i don't know it, it all works for me yeah, I mean, like I said, I love I love the first one as my uh, go to feeling, mm-hmm. but no, I think I do think it's it's hard to separate uh, 
context from an artist. And I think like it, the backlash was inevitable because so many people who previously were like, I like, I like Carly Rae Jepsen. I'm so interesting. That became their new thing that made them interesting. And that obviously becomes irritating very quickly Mm -hmm. that, but it's not their fault. I mean, I think, yeah, I think it's, I think also the problem is like so many people take the wrong message from interesting or disruptive media. Like, Mm Don't don't go out and start a band that sounds like a hundred gex. Start a like go do something that takes their the idea of collage and of like unexpected influence or mm-hmm. of uh, being irritating in an interesting way mm-hmm. and do that. But there, that's the other thing that always happens is like people people uh, repeat these ideas. Yeah. I guess there'll always be pretenders to the throne because it's like, hey, this is hitting big. People yeah, a thousand one hundred gex now, a ten million <laughs> gex now. Uh, yeah. Yeah, what the fucking uh, what are other hyper pop bands? I I can't even think of other hyper pop. Well, I mean that bands. that happened like the when I was like quitting being a music writer, so I haven't really paid attention. Like I don't know, I don't think it's it sucks to be like so tied to talking about music all the time because I I don't really like paying attention. Like I yeah. I go through my day mostly in silence, or I like listen to your Kickstarter sucks at the gym, or like yeah. that's about it. I don't really. I'm not really like trying to check out. I mean, I do check out new stuff every once in a while. And occasionally I'm like, ah, I still, I still love music. Thank God. But um, I'm not like, I'm not keeping up. I'm not trying to like name drop shit. I I know Ice Spice and that's it. That's the only (laughs) modern musician I know. And I, I like Ice Spice. She's very easily identifiable by her silhouette. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I think that's why she sticks out to me, and I like her. But yeah, I, I guess I like Ice Spice. I guess I've convinced myself. Ice Spice is pretty cool. Spice, yeah. I like Ice Spice. Yeah. yeah. She. I like how she looks like a little orphan Annie for sure. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm trying to get what is even like modern rock. I guess the most prominent modern rock band is Boy Genius now, and they're getting ragged on a lot for like having very millennial lyrics. <laughs> yeah i thought that was weird too like i when i'm when i'm trying to push everyone's buttons my favorite thing to do is be like let's see your you know let's see your netflix show or whatever yeah. when i'm pretending to like something on twitter to make everyone mad but i that was an example where i was like i get that this leonard cohen lyric like i mean i don't even know i thought it was kind of a funny lyric like i yeah. just I, I don't even get why anyone was mad about it if like leonard cohen could write a kanye west poem why can't boy genius write a leonard cohen poem? You know? <laughs> like like lyrics in general are usually disgusting mm-hmm. uh and i think whenever i've made music myself that's where i've struggled the most because i'm like i just want them to not be embarrassing mm-hmm. and so i think like these lyrics being like you know, clever. I think people just don't like the referencing or maybe you don't like the word horny being put into like a sad song, which starts to feel low-key misogynistic, to be honest. Like, I don't know. I I just think like lyrics are bad anyways. Like it's okay to just have like kind of a vibey bad lyric that that's memorable. You know what I think it is? I think it's because uh, those lyrics put your own cringe into very stark belief. They're too close to how you act and how you behave online. Yeah, that's, so it's like you suddenly realize that, oh no, I might be bad. I might be the bad one here. And people love to just swarm. Like, I, and that's what I mean. I think if you had your own, if you listened to music on your own in private and had your own taste that you had developed and like nurtured as a someone purporting to be a fan, mm-hmm. you would be able to come to a conclusion of what you thought of those lyrics before you were like, 
I don't know, trying to get the right person to notice you in the replies or trying to like build this online brand of being like, I'm on the right side because I made fun of the Leonard Cohen lyrics. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's just kind of a weird sort of, it, it's what you were talking about how like as you get older, you should be moving away from that kind of stuff. But instead, it's a lot of pointing and laughing with everyone else. But then eventually that'll either stop being cool or become cool or I don't know. It's, yeah. it's just like, it's very weird. I think, I also think, as I said, I, I like to stir the pot and be a shithead on Twitter. So I don't necessarily tweet my opinions that I actually believe, but I do think like if you're sincerely posting that you think a boy genius lyric about Leonard Cohen is cringe, like I would really like to see your lyrics because they must yeah. be really good. <laughs> yeah, I don't even yeah. like boy genius. <laughs> yeah, no, but yeah, it's just like, uh, yeah, I, I think that also um, because I, I make art. I make dumb cartoons myself. I feel like I have a, I, I feel like I have a, a, maybe a softer view of people creating art. Like I don't want to go too far to the point where I'm like Seth Rogen saying, "Oh, you shouldn't make fun of anyone at all because they put a lot of love into stuff." But there is like, a, like a, always. Um, I don't know. It's not so bad. Why is this so bad to you? You know what is yeah. what is so? It's not like it's actually offensive like tom mcdonald's stuff it's not like politically offensive maybe right. it's bad because it is too vulnerable it is too open they're saying something that is true to them but in doing so that has left you open uh, to this wide range of criticism i mean i think that like creating anything is like pretty embarrassing yeah. <laughs> like being a human being is like pretty embarrassing and yeah. having feelings and opinions and wanting to be validated. It's all like very embarrassing. So it's just, I think you're right. When, when it's revealed too nakedly that this is, Oh, Oh, uh, Lucy Dacus, or I don't know how you say her name, but yeah. she, she was listening to Leonard Cohen in her room and thinking about how the lyrics resonated with her and thinking about how he's horny and maybe she's horny too. And like, that reminds me of listening to music in my room, but she's getting paid for it. And so yeah. she should be doing a, there's just this weird, like it's too universal, but I think that's the thing is like creation. You need to be a little bit embarrassing in order to create anything. Cause it's just, it's kind of, you're putting yourself out there and like, yeah. a, a, it's corny to be like, look at this thing I did. Yeah. It's like fucking corny. So yeah. the premise of know. being an artist is that you are so special that your voice, your form of expression is so unique that it deserves to be heard over other forms of expression. Or, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's always like, there is always an egomaniacal narcissistic quality to it that you just have to, just have to push through and hope that uh, people end up relating to it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's confusing because I love things that are intentionally very difficult and that's generally what I make usually. Yeah. Uh, but I also think that there's, it's, it's more brave to just be like really corny. Like whoever drew the, Whoever drew like the let people enjoy things comic that, that Adam was, Ellis, like, a guy that I love actually. Adam Ellis has a like, very interesting story as an internet cartoonist because he was a BuzzFeed cartoonist for a while, but then he got a lot better. Like his work started developing a lot, a lot more to the point where he's actually kind of good now. But I love, didn't he like disown that comic yeah, he, or something? Yeah, he did a too? comic of him shooting it in a field. That's because, so funny because the official reason he gave was because uh, the pedophiles were using it. To, oh my god! To, to say, Is that real? Enjoy, yeah, pedophiles were posting like oh anime god. lolicon stuff, and they were using the let people he, enjoy things. Like I feel like 
it's very similar to Pepe with Matt Fury, but it's yeah. like, it's this thing about like the death of the artist. Like he, he made that comic and it's yeah. his fault that it exists, but also, I mean, it sucks if pedophiles are using it, but like, <laughs> yeah. he's like, you can't just be like, Oh, fuck this comic. I didn't mean it like that. But it's like, that's how people have been using. Like, that's like for people who like the good place to be like, Oh, I like, <laughs> let me watch the show where they say forking or whatever. Like, that's like, uh, that just, he I kind of like the good place. I, I actually, I think there are some jokes that are, that are pretty funny. Yeah, they got like I'm Megan sure. Amram on it. Who is a very good joke. Oh right. yeah. She's yeah. funny, but, but um, yeah, the overall, Overall, like it's it's Michael Schur's stuff, so you're getting I, pretty bland. I just love the idea, like that guy making the let people enjoy things comic, like accidentally created like an irony black hole that yeah. like <laughs> it could never be <laughs> taken back. It's so cool. And what's funny is like the original comic that uh, that in context, I agree with it because it's about a guy who's saying, oh, you're watching sports ball. Sports ball is so dumb. And then the guy pinches his lips and says, let people enjoy it. And I do agree. Sports ball people are cringe. You know, they're awful. You know, it's like, uh, yeah, you but, know, it's but again, context. Yeah. I agree with you. But this is what I'm saying about Reddit, too, is like because those people were so cringe, we've lost the word to describe an ambivalence towards sport. Now there's no way, now you have to be a little bit into sports all the time. There's because they ruined it for us, for those of us who would say, you know, like to not know you, now you just can't say anything. You want to go hang out with your friends and the Super Bowl's on. You just have to like try to pay attention. You're not allowed to say sports ball because it's too cringe. Yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. kind of, it's, it's very interesting how these, uh, these things work. It's also every once in a while, I just want to be like, I guess this is the only thing in life consuming media of different kinds. It's kind of sad. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But <laughs> whatever. Yeah, you know, that's the, let world. people enjoy things. Yeah. yeah. Let people enjoy things. <laughs> <laughs> I think that, that's a good place to end. Uh, Josiah, uh, do you have any plugs? Yeah, for sure. So uh, we're talking about Avril Lavigne on our free feed and it has been insane. So I guess, I don't know if you have a lot of Canadian listeners, but um, do. some of you might remember there was uh, a protester who interrupted Avril Lavigne at the Juno Awards to <laughs> protest the green belt and to talk about saving the environment. Well, I didn't think that Avril gave her enough of a chance to talk. So she was actually the guest on our first episode of Avril Lavigne Month. <laughs> Hell yeah. And we've since made every week about like the guest spots are all about like preserving the green belt. So actually this week we had uh, Marit Styles from the NDP in Ontario <laughs> on to talk about Avril Lavigne and the green belt. It's been a whole month of that. And then behind the paywall, we're talking about Blink-182 every week as well. Uh, we're going to be doing Green May in in May again. That's our annual Green Day month. So there's all kinds of stuff. If you like, you know, I mean, if you haven't wanted, to, if you, or if you wanted to punch me in the face through this too, I think it, oh, both kinds of people listen. <laughs> those who don't and do want to punch me in the face. Yeah. Uh, and we we also have some lot. We're doing two live uh, Blink 155 shows. So we're going to be like watching a whole bunch of Blink 182 covers and hanging out and laughing at, at ourselves uh, in Toronto on May. 11th and montreal on may 12th so just oh yeah yeah keep an eye out on our social media i guess but yeah there's i'm always doing lots of shit and just yeah. goofing around so I'll also yeah. tell listeners i will be i will most likely be at that show because i want to go to that show and uh Sick. so if you want to meet old house of decline i'll be at the <laughs> uh, the may 11th uh, uh 155 pod live show sick yeah. hell yeah and uh josiah thank you so much for coming on you are a delight and oh, uh, as always yeah, love to have you on in the future please do thank you 
All right. Bye, everybody.